0: We are not friends anymore. Because after I said, see you later, alligator, and then you didn't say anything, I didn't get my afterwild crocodile, I told you, we're not friends anymore. You're toxic and you need to grow up. That this isn't just a cultural thing that happens in Atlanta, it's all over the world. And there's tons of phrases you could have said. You could have said, gotta go, buffalo, see you soon, raccoon, be sweet, parakeet, take care, polar bear, in a shake, rattlesnake, tootaloo, kangaroo, out the door, dinosaur, on the bus, octopus, in an hour, sunflower, anytime, porcupine, uh, planting
1: that out dig you later bye bye butterfly nice wagon you fire breathing dragon uh love and peace chicken grease peace out girl scout hang loose canada goose you
0: ain't say none of that
1: all you gotta do is rhyme all you gotta do just say two things that rhyme and i would have been fine but you don't care about me because you're toxic and you need to grow up what the hell is that (laughs) Stone on air, coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air.
0: Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity, and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it.
2: Stone on air, coming up. Stone on air.
0: I have no idea who that person is, but that is just hysterical to me. Sometimes I just run into things online. That's what this is—the thing that makes social media so great, amongst all the things that make it so terrible. That it's just I just can't stop laughing at, and that is one of them. The open of the Stone on Air podcast for what day is it? It is July twenty seventh, twenty
1: twenty three. Happy Thursday. Like
0: Generation, yeah. uh, of course, from TikTok. Welcome in. Uh, how in the hell are you on whatever day it is that you choose to listen to the most downloaded, most listened to podcast in the city of Chattanooga, at least the one that's primarily always about this city, and but many times not as much as well, because let's just be honest, we're a pretty cool place. I love this city. I adore this place, but we're not all that interesting to fill an hour every single day. So I will not be able to do that once again today, but mostly I will. And that's generally the idea of the show. I will lay out the show here quickly before I get things underway on the open. Coming up in the final segment of the show, it might not be for everybody, but for some of you it is. I do know we have or we, I, have listeners that are fans of the Dead Dead's band and their former drummer, Angie Lisi joins me in the final segment of the show. She has an all-female a, a Foo Fighters tribute band coming to Barrel House Ballroom this Saturday, the 29th, and I am not going to be able to make it after all. After all the talk I had with her and everybody and online and everything else, I'm not going to make it. And I'll tell you... Why I'm not going to make it here in just a couple of minutes. Also not going to make Riverfront Nights on Saturday night uh, either. Again, get to that here in a minute. In the uh, second segment of the show, I wasn't going to do this. And then the more I spent a few minutes on it, it turned into damn near an entire segment. The Jason Aldean thing. It's less about him. It's more about crappy uh, uh, country music and how this once great music genre is just pure garbage. It just, It's just Nashville manufactured junk. And had I known I was going to go this route earlier, I would have talked to Angie more about that as she is in the music scene in Nashville. She is a professional drummer. That is her gig. That is her job. Not like most of the people we know who are in bands who just do that as their hobby and hope to make some supplemental income. This is her work. And um, she is in the middle of it all the time. And what has come out of the speakers and the videos, uh, the, the video itself of this dumb song, you know which one I'm talking about, uh, is a product of uh, boy band style pop garbage country. That's what it is. So I'll spend a few minutes on it at the um, in the second part of the the show. And see how far that goes. We'll see. I'm not exactly sure just yet. Probably will fly on by just like everything always does. And then here in the open, I'll get you three pieces of audio. These sim- Simply just the coolest thing. And then two uh, pieces from different people that I heard talking about the Al song and the big city. And, oh, her, 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 that kind of stuff. And uh, I'll play those because that will segue leading in. To the second segment of the show. This isn't. I don't have some strong feelings or thoughts on this. I'd hardly give two bleeps about some dude who's singing a song he didn't write, which is going to be part of the uh, the subject matter here in just a little bit. So we'll start off with my list here for the open, and we'll go as long as it takes. So the reason I will not be able to make the Barrelhouse Ballroom, Fingernails Are Pretty show. That's the name of her band is because I finally, finally got a response back about the CPD ride-along. And I am scheduled for this weekend. And I'm not going to make too big a deal about it, but the woman who is in this correspondence, uh, her name's Brenda, which is kind of another version of a Karen, and that's how her uh, emails were worded, very Karen-ish, And so uh, rather than go through the correspondence, I'll just let you know, it was very short and very um, to the point, but very, very short. It was uh, and and short with patience. And finally, so I just said on uh, uh, after a couple back and forth that I did roll my eyes at, I was just like, listen, I would still love to do this. My I promise you, I sent very, very cordial, very, very. Uh, polite responses with pleas and thank yous and all that in there. Very small townish of me. And um, I left out the sweethearts and baby dolls. Uh, I just said, hey, listen, I would like to do this any Saturday. Just pick one for the rest of the year. Pick a Saturday, and I'll make it happen. Well, I did not expect to get an email back within minutes, really, literally, within a half hour maybe, that says, "Okay, you're scheduled for this Saturday." <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Well, I didn't really want to do it this Saturday, but at this point, I'm this far in. You know, I've sunk this far into this hole. I have to do it. So now I'm going to do it. I'm a little nervous, to be totally honest with you. Riding around with a police officer for upwards of ten hours. Um, you know, it's out of my comfort zone, but I think it's going to be very good for me, and I think it'll be very good for the show. Here's the um, the. Print off that I was sent, the PDF. Uh, make sure you arrive 15 to 20 minutes before your shift begins. You will need a copy of this email and your ID as verification of the ride along. And it's got all the pertinent information here. It's over off of East 11th Street, 702 East 11th. Uh, the bottom of it says participants are not to carry any type of weapons participants are not allowed to use any type of digital device to record video or audio while engaged in the ride-along program but damn it that sucks and I I figured that was going to be the case and I was when I figured that that might be the case I was maybe gonna see if I could sneak some in there I don't know I'll take a notepad and take some notes and uh, participants cannot use the CPD ride-along program services for your political campaigns. We hope you enjoy and have a great experience in your ride-along. So that is this Saturday at 3 o'clock. I am nervous yet excited for it. So Barbie Mania has taken over, and I guess I should have known this was going to be this big of a craze. It is amazing how young adults, uh, old millennials, young millennials, Gen Z now especially has learned it all, and even older into Gen Xers, the costumification of all things event in this country is kind of out of control i don't necessarily hate it i still hate halloween i think it's the dumbest thing ever it's for children but i mean look at Bonroo. that's what that's what it is it's a it's a costume contest uh, that's it started in coachella in california many years ago and now it is a place where people dra- dress very flamboyantly and so many other uh, events are just like this. Whether it's Mardi Gras or other things that are not so traditional, costume oriented, everything has become not. It used to be, you know, our parents and our grandparents. Oh, we dress up in our Sunday finest, our sharpest, right? Our pastels or our best looking, uh, sharpest outfits and our prettiest dresses for the, the the big event. Now let's just see how goddamn ridiculous you can look. And I'm actually kind of I'm, I'm kind of good with that because I like looking kind of silly. I've been doing it before it was cool to do it. Uh, I was made fun of for the way, the, way, the way I wore my socks for years. And then I would double and triple down and wear them even dumber every time. And now wearing crazy-looking socks is all the rage and completely in fashion. Falls right along with my motto on most of my social medias. I've been fading in and out of fashion since 19... 19- Ninety-seven. Uh, the Barbie movie picked up a uh, hundred and fifty-five million in the opening weekend, set a bunch of records. Uh, the most brilliant thing was that big life-size Barbie doll toy, uh, see-through display box that was put up at uh, seemingly all over the country for photo ops. This is something that's also a trend at all events is to have some kind of backdrop. That encourages people to take pictures at it. And then everybody wants to put it on Instagram and everywhere else and uh, hashtag it and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, it works. And they've done that. And that is really, um, it, 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 that was brilliant. And yes, everybody from people I thought would never be involved with such silliness, that is absolutely everywhere. This past weekend I'm sure it'll bleed into next weekend as well And good for everybody who enjoyed it I'm sure the movie was absolutely dreadful Even though plenty of people are going to tell you that it was fine uh, Shifting to traffic around town That's going to continue to get awful Just from my personal experience in the last week The I-24-75 tw- uh, split Phase 2 is underway More Road Bridge is closed And I think... Maybe not the Belvoir. I think the Belvoir one is open so far. I think they'll eventually close it, but more road is closed. So far, it's been not that bad, but it's getting, you can feel it building and getting worse and worse. Well, now two more things happening here soon. There's a big realignment. I'm not even going to try to explain it to you. If you care, you can go take a look of getting a new exit into Hamilton Place Mall. There's one coming From the uh, south going north, it looks like they're going to build one coming north and south now, too. That's going to overlap with this other construction about, what is that, about five miles? Maybe not even five miles. Three to five miles in between each other. That bid is not going to be um, completely uh, submitted and accepted until October. So it'll probably be next year before we get to that. So that sucks as I drive through that crap every single day. And then I have just maybe crumpled it up and thrown it away. Where did it go? Uh, I don't need the notes for it. I can remember this one. Oh, no, there it is. I-24 closure is coming for the next 16 weekends. So downtown, when uh, 24 splits to 27, they've been working on a lot of those exits through there. I don't drive around there enough anymore to remember exactly. But the, for the next 16 weekends starting at 9 p.m. on Friday, ending at 6 a.m. on Monday, One Direction or Another is going to have a lot of lane closures as they finish up a lot of those on and exit off ramps and everything else. I'm not even exactly sure, but it looks like it is going to absolutely suck as well. So we had a nice little break, or at least it felt like we had a little stretch where construction was done. Well, it ain't done. Running out of time fast. Let's get to this quickly. Ron DeSantis was here the other day. Did you see this? Did you? I hate to sound like the stand-up monologues of Jay Leno. Did you see this one? Did you see this? Uh, He was traveling for a fundraiser here in town and got into a wreck over by East Brainerd Road. And it turns out when the because of the slowing down traffic of just volume through there, because we without construction still have a lot of volume issues these days. Slow traffic led to the lead vehicle had um, uh, had to break quickly, which caused a rear end collision involving the other vehicles. The release states all the vehicles involved were government vehicles accompanying Governor DeSantis and his team to the scheduled event. Uh, That's just funny. Everybody's fine. Everybody's fine. Nobody was involved in the wreck except for the, the caravan that was DeSantis's people. And speaking of DeSantis's people, I don't follow this stuff close, so I don't know why or didn't know this for sure. He's cut a third of his campaign staff. Apparently, he's having funding problems. I guess originating in Florida when Trump is, you know, or I should say Florida is Trump country. Um It's not working so well. They've gotten rid of 38 campaign staff in the last week or two. We're still six months away from uh, the uh, primaries. So a lot of time, a lot of things can change, and uh, we'll see where that goes. Two more things quickly here. The Rail and Hops Festival is going to be here sooner than later. This is not new news, but I didn't realize it until just the other day. Tickets are on sale. Uh, they start at fifty in advance. They were forty. Those are sold out. Sixty-five day of. It's just a beer uh, craft beer tasting events put on by my friend Monica and the Soundcore guys, the Stratton friends of mine. Hope they do well. I'll be there because the Tennessee Dead is going to be playing at this event between 1 and 5 p.m. on August 26th at the 1st Tennessee Pavilion. They have moved that thing all over town from the Choo Choo Gardens to Miller Park. This uh, sounds like a best place to put it. Inside the pavilion, rain doesn't matter, weather doesn't matter, and the Tennessee Dead is a very, very, very good local uh, dead cover band. And this Hoff sauce thing, they're trying to get investors. I was going to spend a few minutes on that, and I tried some this weekend. It's actually pretty good. I'll spend some more time on that at another time because I am out of time here for the Open. So let's get to these three pieces of audio and segue into that dumb song from Jason Aldean, all right? We'll start, though, with something completely away from that, just one of those typical kind of commercial parody satire things from TikTok. This is today's coolest thing, the optimistic nihilist.
2: Like many of you, I used to take everything so seriously, but then I discovered optimistic
0: nihilism. Thanks to optimistic nihilism, I've embraced the fact that nothing really matters. Sure, maybe my last relationship didn't work out and I'm not where I want to be with my career, but we're all just
1: fragile meat sacks hurtling through space on a chaotic mud ball, so who cares? With optimistic nihilism, I can take comfort in the fact that I might not be the richest or the handsomest, but, We're all gonna die eventually and the sun's gonna self destruct so what difference does it make? Optimistic nihilism is not for
0: everyone. If you're one of those sad sacks who bought into hustle culture, or even worse, believe there's some sort of cosmic judgment in the hereafter, optimistic nihilism may not be for you. Side effects of optimistic nihilism include an improved mental state, lower stress, and generally not giving a fuck. So if you've had it
1: with doing your best and getting nothing in return, try optimistic nihilism today.
0: Now, I've been preaching nihilism for a long, long time, long before it was trendy to do so. Now, I never put the word optimistic in front of it in case you just needed a quick refresher. Nihilism, the rejection of all religious and moral principles and the belief that life is meaningless. That's closer to me. I don't think life is meaningless, but I do struggle with what the meaning might be. And philosophically, extreme skepticism, maintaining that nothing in the world has a real existence. And that is not a practice of mine. Too quickly here, uh, random people talking about the Jason Aldean situation and that dumb song.
2: Everybody's been doing such a great job responding to the Jason Aldean Try That In A Small Town song slash controversy. The only thing that I want to add or suggest or ask is how come we don't do our own version of that song? It would be called Try That In A Big City. Try waving a confederate flag in Times Square. Try getting into someone's personal business on the subway. Try telling people in a big city, oh, this is always going to be this way because it's tradition. You know what? Go to Jackson Heights, wear a MAGA hat and talk about building the wall. Maybe someday small towns will share the values of big cities. Like, for example, letting people just live their lives and like not jacking off to your grandpa's gun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How about that? And one more here real quick. Also talking about that stupid song from that uh, country singer. You know what I love
2: about this Jason Aldean situation?
0: There's a lot I love about it. I love when anybody tells on themselves. But
2: what I love most is that all these people who are like, if you don't like it, you don't have to listen to it. You don't have to watch those videos. You don't have to listen to those dog whistles as you call them. I'm not hearing that, but you don't have to listen to it if you don't want it. Weren't you just banning drag shows? were you trying to ban drag shows? If you don't want to watch that, don't go to them. How about that? If you don't like gay people, don't be gay. How about that? Weren't you just trying to like ban books and and stop teachers from mentioning anything about being gay or trans or anything about like what happened in actual history? Weren't you driving over Budweiser with (laughs) your truck because you didn't like what they put on a can? You gotta love when somebody walks right into the
0: point and just doesn't duck. Yeah, it's uh, the culture wars are so, so silly. And they're still fun to uh, point out the nonsensical nature of it. What I think is stupid is that so many of these dumb pop country songs are not written by the person who is the superstar for singing them, and it is rampant in the entire industry of a once great genre. This is a parody that I've played on this show before of how you write a country song and how simple it is to write a really ridiculous song, which is basically the entire industry. More on Every that coming up next.
1: You just play the same four chords in the same damn order just because. And you talk about girls and life and love. And you brag about getting drunk. And you sing a little bit lower here so we know the end. Stone on air. It's about to
2: get all stupid
0: up in here. Stoneonair.com
2: You know, I don't hate Jason Aldean's music video because it contains racist dog whistles. Because I tend to like when people tell me who they are because I will always believe them. These people have told us who they are a number of times. No, what I hate is it's people like him who like pretend that they're from small towns. He's not. And they make money off these people. They basically feed this sort of hatred and bigotry into these small communities that have otherwise just taken care of themselves forever. Because small towns don't see the big city life. They don't always understand the big city life. And I've lived in both. I'm from an unincorporated area in rural Missouri. I work in St. Louis and I still live in a small town. And St. Louis itself is made up of a whole bunch of like little areas that also do what small towns do. With people in small communities, they don't see that. No, they just see this made up version of City Life that people like Jason Aldean tries to sell him, pretending to be like them, but he ain't. Never has been. I ain't
0: gonna play it for long, but here you
1: go.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, is there anything inherently wrong with this song? You know, not really. I don't guess. Other than it's just a bland, boring country song. It was the video that got everybody so uh, worked up. And uh, more on that here in a minute. But both the last two audio clips you heard had two similar kind of points. One was, uh, the before we went to break, the... Uh, the telling on yourself thing. I love it when people tell on themselves. Well, I mean, is he really? I mean, I not. I I don't know. And then also, I love it when they tell me who they are, cause uh, I will believe them. And it's it's not. Maybe Jason Aldean does that. I don't know, or do I care? But in this instant, it's him taking a song from the big giant corporate machine and singing it. It's a very simple song. It is a very catchy song, and it was, um, you know, hey, from the big board members up in, uh, you know, Music City, USA, said, here's a song. Who do we want to give it to? Who we're shopping this around to? Uh, Hey, Jason Aldean. How about you, man? And then it goes on from there. I've got uh, one more piece of audio from one of my favorite comedians I'll play here in just a minute. It's about a 90 seconds long or so, just because I already pulled it and I want to. I'll do it before the uh, the segment's over. But, um, yeah, this is less about him and more about just fueling the culture wars. The media does it. The politicians have been doing it. Um, the media has been doing it probably longer and then because of the the in-concert nature of the the political entertainment complex and the media, quote-unquote, news entertainment complex, they now work together in just trying to fuel these culture wars to get people talking, to get me, uh, some, you know, numbnut in Chattanooga, Tennessee, to spend 15-plus minutes on it on a podcast that most people don't listen to or people tweeting or Facebook messaging or Instagramming on accounts that almost nobody has any idea what they are. It fuels fires, and it creates uh, publicity that they cannot purchase. It's unpurchasable, and um, that's all it is. And it's it's really, as a musician – and this is why I wanted to do in this segment more, which I'll do a little bit here for a minute. I am a musician. I played guitar and wrote songs and sang in bands for years. And I'm not that good, but I'm not that bad either. I'm just, I'm, I'm okay. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm peaked post-high school musician, right? I never got a lot better. And I haven't really done it much at all, hard, almost really at all, In about 13 years and recently I have been again and I'm playing with my old band again and when I write music it's really usually not that good but I take it to the guys that I play with one in particular and I say and this is how this is how people do this This is how the whole industry works hey I've got an idea do help me do something with this. That's collaborations. That's writing songs together. Somebody takes a decent idea, makes it better. Then you get a producer. Then you get um, uh, other people with eyes and ears that say, hey, won't you try this? Hey, why don't you try that? You know, that kind of stuff is just how it works. And that's fine. But when there's an entire industry of people who are paid to do just that, not record and perform it themselves, to do it for other people which has been happening in pop music for forever, you know, for a hundred years. And it's been happening in country music for like basically the same amount of time, probably a little bit less because the early country was not like that until it turned into pop, bubblegum, bullshit music itself. I've always just kind of frowned on that as a guy who knows how to write a song. Doesn't mean I know how to write a good one, but I know how to write one. And, oh, my God, Jason Aldean's got all this stuff to say now. Oh, my God, he's got Twitter. Oh, this is, oh, the, who, this, this song has nothing to do with that guy. I, apparently, from what I understand, he is an outspoken Trump guy. Whatever. Those are a dime a dozen, man. They're all over the place. This has nothing to do with him. This has to do with a bunch of people who, who said, what can we do to really piss a lot of people off? and they did it. And the the worst part though is the filming of the video. Of course, likely not anything to do with Jason Aldean. The guy doesn't choose his songs. He sure as hell doesn't choose the location of the video as CMT pulled the video down. Uh, it is performed in front of the Maury County Courthouse in Columbia, Tennessee. This is the site of the 1946 Columbia Race Riot and the 1927 mob lynching of an 18-year-old black teenager named Harry Choate. I mean, everybody involved with this knew this. There's a very good chance, probably not, but there is still a decent chance that Jason Aldean didn't know any of this either. This is from Aldean himself from his Twitter. There is not a single lyric in the song that references race or points to it. And there isn't a single video clip that isn't real news footage. And while I can try and respect others to have their own interpretation of a song with music, this one goes too far. Uh, This is also the same guy, and I don't have a problem with this, but many others do, that in 2015 for Halloween, there's pictures all over the Internet of him dressed up as Little Wayne in blackface which is a huge no-no in the culture war world. Um, they knew that releasing this video with all this footage from much bigger cities, much more important areas of the world, um, of the country anyway, was going to fuel people's anger. It was going to have, it, it. might. they might have been in complete cahoots with CMT that's probably owned. Country music television is probably owned in the same building where this goddamn song was written. Very, very likely that that's true. Hey, we'll release this video. Everybody will be pissed off because of the history of it. And then you'll pull it down. And then it'll become the number two song on the pop, whatever hundred uh, Billboard Hot Country charts. (laughs) You know, Mr. Burns, evil uh, laugh with his fingers uh, tapping together. That's what this is. That's all that this is. But the optics are there. And I know dog whistles, the buzzwords, whatever. The optics are there. It looks bad. It feels bad. And it feels like somebody's trying to pick a fight. That's what it feels like. Because that's what it is. Somebody is picking a fight. And Jason Aldean clearly had no problem being involved with that fight. Uh, One couple things here that was pretty fun here was my guy, Jason Isbell. If he's not careful, he's going to be too vocal about things because he's very liberal and is a brilliant songwriter and writes every single thing that he has ever produced. He might have a co-writer on something, but not somebody who's not in his band already, not some Nashville songwriter who clocks in and clocks out every day to write music for all the wannabes that, oh, sure, they look like a good old boy. They look like that guy from Columbia, Tennessee, but they wear $500 boots and $2,000 uh, outfits and have no real connection with this, quote-unquote, small-town America. Uh, it says, uh, Dare Dean, this is from his Twitter account, Jason Isbell, Dare Dean to write his next single himself. That's what we try in my small town. Okay, here we go, Jason Aldean. I'm challenging you to write a song yourself, all alone. If you're a recording artist, make some art. I want to hear it. Another tweet. Seriously, how do you defend the content of a song you weren't even in the room for? You just got it from your producer. If you'd been, if you'd been there when it was written, you'd be listed as a writer. We all know how this works. And that is so true in so many of these cases. All you got to do is be in the room and you'll get listed as a writer. That Aerosmith became major stars in the 80s after their, their uh, 70s boom had collapsed. And they had another 80s boom later in the decade where Steven Tyler and Joe Perry would sit in a room with like five professional songwriters and write music. It wasn't Steven Tyler and Joe Perry. They were there. They had input. Therefore, they got songwriting credits. This isn't even that. This is just from the collection of the the country music, pop, boy band machine. And now all of a sudden, Jason Aldean is some kind of culture war hero amongst the We Hate Bud Light crowd. Uh, and then J- uh, Jake Owen came and got all pissed off and started writing a bunch of stuff. And then he backed it up and started k- kind of apologizing and walked it backwards. He said, "I've recorded. A, I have a record deal for almost twenty years. I feel deep down that I'm a good songwriter." Blah 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 goes on for there. If it wasn't for incredible songwriters, I know for a fact I wouldn't have had the career I have. I have had. I'm forever grateful for the many songwriters. That, the, that thought I was worthy enough to record their song, their idea. You just made the point for us, bro. You can't do it on your own. So the message isn't genuine. It's completely disingenuous, as a matter of fact. You're, it's not your original thought. It's not your story. It's fabricated. It's designed in a musical Music row downtown Nashville lab and handed over to you like a rat, like a circus monkey, to then perform it. It's hollow, it's soulless, it's lame, to put it simply. Uh what's I guess that's about all I'll do on it from right there. It's it's just annoying. Is all it is. If Jason Aldean wrote this song, produced this video, and was just loud and proud about it, I still think it would be annoying and the optics would be bad and it would still be trying to pick a fight. But he didn't. Some laboratory did. With all the intentions on pissing people off, stirring up emotions, and making an already on-edge country psyche... Even more fragile. It's 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 the same thing when I talk about words matter and and your re- and your actions matter and precedents matter. Oh, it's just oh he just said something mean. Oh, he just did something stupid. Oh, oh, the president just tweets all day long. It all matters, and this is fake. This is not a, re- a realistic, artistic um, statement. This is a fabrication. This is uh, Brent Tarun. Uh, It's not the funniest thing he's ever done, but since I already pulled it, I'm going to play it. Give me about 90 seconds.
1: Well, you better go buy stock in preparation H because I just seen on Fox News that a bunch of liberals are butt hurt once again. I'm talking Jason Aldean, a good old boy. He's standing up for us small towns because you big town people wouldn't know what it's like. I'm talking small towns. Everybody knows everybody and we're nice. Yeah, we might whoop some ass on Saturday night in the Dollar General parking lot, but come Sunday morning, we're sitting front and center at church. We're just good old boys. How could you be bad when the word good is in your name, huh? I'm not scared of nothing. I'm not scared one bit. But if I find myself in a town with more than a few stoplights, or they got a pro sports team, or if you see one of them combination Taco Bell KFCs, (laughs) lock your doors. That's all I'm saying. These places are terrifying. They got different ways of thinking, alternative worldviews, people that are darker than me, Bud Light. Because these city folks are dangerous. One minute, you're just trying to grab a bite to eat at Kid Rock's big-ass honky-tonk and and rock-and-roll steakhouse. And next thing you know, you're the subject on a true crime podcast. And that ain't gonna be me. So today, I'm raising my emotional support beer to Jason Aldean, a a true patriot and a good old boy. All
0: right, so that was uh, nearly four minutes. I chopped it down. To uh right about 90 seconds and a couple more thoughts here from somebody sent me this and it's just somebody's long-winded social media posts i can't attribute it to where it came from because i don't know and it doesn't matter because none of us know who this person is and it's thoughts that i that i just thought were worth echoing it starts off by laying out all the stuff that we already know by now so i'll jump about two-thirds down the page they, talking about the small-town people who are, who are uh, cheerleading this song, this quote-unquote movement, this fake movement. They don't think people are actually going to come there and try and burn their crumbling infrastructure and rob their single-wide trailers and their dead grandma's house that they squat in with duct tape and cut up trash bags for windows. No city person is traveling to the middle of nowhere to steal your Aunt Gert's Buick Skylark, Jason. But in a small town, you are very likely to be robbed by your neighbor's adult kid with a meth or Oxycontin addiction. They'll steal your grandparents' cancer and hospice meds and your YouTube TV. At nights, people steal the flood grates around small towns for scrap metal. They loot abandoned houses and businesses for copper wire and metal pipes to scrap. No one is ever going to revitalize those structures, so people just look the other way. By day, they pick up beer and soda cans on the side of the road also for scrap. Haldeen's video shows B-roll of protest, property destruction, violence, and generally unrelated incidents in big cities. Nobody in those videos cares about what's happening in somebody's small town. This is the suburbanite white dude fantasy version of Scarface. It's the product of having no sense of personal identity and appropriating some ill-imaged mixture of actual generational poverty culture and a holy American mythos of having a closed culture that worships assimilation. Is this song racist? That's the wrong question because it's overly simplified. This peacock of a song is a blatant and pitiable attempt at being unable to accept that they only get a pass from Uncle Sam when they assimilate into a fictional character that upholds the colonial ego of Big Daddy nationalism and Mama Manifest Destiny. Jason Aldean has no idea who, quote, his people are. They are not, quote, small town people. They've been convincing themselves they're fighting for something noble for so long. They see the loss of that illusion as a threat to the only identity colonialism left with them, their generic whiteness. And it was about a page and a half longer than that. So I'll leave it at that. I didn't mean to spend, or at least I did mean to because I just did it, but my initial thoughts were don't spend a whole lot of time on this, but from the music writing angle, the production, the the monster that is the boy band pop bro country industry, it's just gross. It's just a dumb song, and it's just trying to pick fights with people, and I don't like that. That's, that, that's my great takeaway from that. Uh, On the way out here, I will not be able to see Cowboy Mouth this weekend at the Riverfront Nights free music concert series on Saturday night. I want you to go to the Barrel House Ballroom to see Fingernails Are Pretty, excuse me, uh, the all-female tribute band to the Foo Fighters. If you don't, though, there is the Riverfront Nights and plenty of other things. I will be riding around with CPD all night, baby, and I'm looking forward to it. Speaking of that show at uh, Barrel House Ballroom, I'll talk to Angie Lisi, the creator of the band Fingernails Are Pretty and the drummer of that band and many others coming up next. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Stone on air.com. You want females <laughs> and you need the specific guitar, bass, singing, all that to go along with your drumming. How was that recruitment?
3: Surprisingly, it came together pretty quickly. I've known. Ally, the bassist, for almost the entire time i lived in Nashville. She's just a monster player. And I met Rachel Bransness, the lead guitarist, a couple years ago now. I'm also a monster player. The rhythm guitarist, Mariah, I've also known her for several years. She, I mean, she's a hell of a guitarist too. This band is insanely talented. <laughs> I know Foo Fighters music better than anyone, but I would say like this band, all the musicians are better than I am at my, at my craft. <laughs>
1: are pretty fingernails are good. of course that's
0: where the namesake of angie lisi's band fingernails are pretty comes from the song is this is a call from the debut record of the Foo fighters which is really just dave grohl throwing together a record about a year after kurt cobain died he played every instrument on the entire album And then slowly put together a band over the next couple of years that had a lot of changes here and there. Long story there told in a very good doc. I can't remember what it's called right off the top of my head right now. But uh, Angie's band, Fingernails Are Pretty, are going to be in Chattanooga this weekend at the Barrel House Ballroom. If you have not yet been to this small room, it is a... Fun, fun time. About a uh, 500-capacity room, if I'm not mistaken. I have been two or three times, enjoyed it every single time. In Support is a band I would wish I was more familiar with, but I'm not, the Dollars Family Band. So uh, I uh, will give my apologies for uh, not knowing more about that. But we're here to talk about the all-female tribute band To the Foo Fighters And joining me now on the Stone On Air Newsmaker line She is formerly of the Dead Dead's Taco Mouth uh, The Raylan Nelson Band uh, Just to name a few We might touch on some of those later on we might not, but uh, Angela, or as I have always called you, Angie, I hope that's fine, uh, Angie Lisi. How are you, Angie?
3: I'm doing well. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. It's been a long time. Where have you been at, stranger? Playing music, clearly.
3: I know. Yeah, I've been trying to stay busy playing music, but I miss you. I haven't seen you in forever.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I'll get to that more here in a minute. I want to start with this. We'll get to the show this weekend at Barrel House Ballroom, which I've been talking about leading up to the show. So people who are here already know where we're going with it. But you've been in Nashville now since, does my memory is my memory correct, 2011 or so?
3: Yeah, 2012 is when I moved here. So I've been a Nashvillian for
0: 13 years now. Good, good amount of time now. I, I've been going pretty regularly for about that time and about five to almost 10 years before that. What is it like living in that monstrosity now? Holy Jesus. (laughs) It has changed so much in 10 years that you've been there, 12 years that you've been there. Just give people who now, like I I go there, it's like the new Atlanta to me when I used to go to Atlanta and love it as a kid. And now I can't stand it as an adult. I have some of those problems with Nashville. Now I'm there all the time though. What is it like living there these days?
3: Yeah. I mean, that kind of, it's the same feeling I've got. So like when I moved here, things were affordable. Um, the city still celebrated music and took care of their musicians. And now it's just kind of developed into this, like, I don't know, like, Los Angeles East or Los Angeles South, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, Um, I get
0: that. I totally get that.
3: Man, yeah, it's just, it's a different vibe. It's really hard for musicians to kind of like just have a place where they can celebrate their own like creativity here. It's really difficult, but you know, that's what happens when cities are gentrified and you know, big businesses come in and start building up all these condos that people can't afford. So it's it's at least expanding. So all of all of my musician friends they're moving into the suburbs a little bit more where they can afford to live here. And it's just a different scene, even just in the last decade, it has changed a lot.
0: I know, I know, it's crazy. Uh, at uh, Tama Chick is how you'll find Angie on most social medias. As of course the drums that she uses, she's primarily uh, a, a drummer in Nashville, and and that is what you do still full time these days, right?
3: Yeah, I definitely try to. You know, I'm just a hired gun for the most part. Of course, I run the Fingernails Are Pretty Band and I play with a couple of different artists, but I'm a drummer for hire. And then I also have like a side business of doing music management, kind of helping like baby bands get through their like album releases, that kind of stuff. So
0: when um, you first kinda- I'm sorry, when you first got to Nashville, you were working for a um the weather channel, right? Or at least forecasting in, in, in the meteorology. Is that what you came to Nashville? Nashville four. And that's what you walked away from to be a full-time drummer. How, how big of a decision was that at the time?
3: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I worked for the national weather service. So I was like a cushy government employee. I was in Louisville for eight years before I moved down here. So I moved down here for a promotion in the same field and i had a nice like i was basically the science trainer at the weather service office here in nashville so it was like a nine to five monday through friday for the most part really good pay good benefits and yeah when the dead deads were doing really well and i was working on music a lot at my old job i decided that that wasn't really fair for my like employees and co-workers so i decided to hang up my weather service hat now like It'll be seven years ago in September.
0: Wow. I was going to say it feels like it's getting close to 10 years. Seven years is a uh, time flies, regardless of whether you're having any fun or not.
3: <laughs> yeah, for real. I can't believe it's been that long. It's crazy.
0: Well, um, the fingernails are pretty band is going to be at the uh, barrel ballroom this weekend. And, um, the last time I talked to you in this kind of setting, meaning on this podcast that's listened to by dozens or I mean thousands uh, across <laughs> the southeast, I believe was 2017. So damn near six years ago, right after Chris Cornell had died. And oh yeah, we were we were talking about many, many different things. And that just happened to be one for a few minutes that we spent a few minutes on. Obviously not what within the last year one of your heroes, Taylor Hawkins, passed away. Anybody who knows anything about rock and roll already knows all about that. Was that a jumping-off point at all for you to get this project going? Because I do know, because I saw it on one of your memories, that the Fingernails Are Pretty Band is something you've been working on, or at least conceptually in your brain, for what, damn near 10 years? Did that have anything to do with making it a reality now?
3: Um, yeah, I think so, because when I lived in Louisville, like I wanted... I was in like cover bands and stuff, and I really wanted to make a female Foo Fighters tribute band. Like, I I just, they're one of my favorite bands. Taylor Hawkins was my hero, and it seemed like the a, a smart thing to do. It would've been fun, but I couldn't find the right players, and then I moved here. And then, yeah, when he died last year, uh, I was just like, well, screw it. I mean, it's a perfect way for me to play music that I like and pay tribute to. You know, the reason why I play drums and also like shine a light on a bunch of female and non-binary trans musicians here in town that don't really get the same kind of opportunities that, you know, straight white men can get.
0: (laughs) Sure. And so you sort of went to the direction I was just going to. You talked about it being difficult in Louisville. Maybe one of the things that while we're talking about the things that have been uh, maybe somewhat detrimental to the music scene in Nashville, at least for the smaller guy and gal. The uh, the pot is much bigger to choose from. How was it recruiting for a very specific musician? First of all, you know, you've, you've cleared out uh, half of the uh, the population. You want females, <laughs> and you need the specific uh, guitar, bass, singing, all that to go along with your drumming. How was that recruitment?
3: Um, surprisingly, it came together pretty quickly. Like I went to. Mike Grimes, who runs Grimy's The Basement, the Basement East. And yeah. uh, he, he's a good friend of mine. And I went to him last year, right when Taylor died. And I was like, man, like let's let's do something for him, you know? And like my idea was playing three different shows because they had three albums that hit like, you know, 10, 15, and 25 miles year milestones last year. Um and he was like, No way, let's not do that. But then when Tomato Art Fest came along. Um, a Big East Nashville Festival, he came to me and was like, how about you throw that band together and let's do it there? Okay. So um, I've known Allie, the bassist, for almost the entire time I've lived in Nashville. She's just a monster player. And I met Rachel Bransness, the lead guitarist, uh, a couple years ago now. We played a show together with her band, Flarelight. And she's also a monster player. We became really close over the last year. And the other, the rhythm guitarist, Mariah, I've also known her for several years. And I mean, she's a hell of a guitarist too. She plays for Julian Baker. I mean, this band is like insanely talented, you know. I, I'm, I know Foo Fighters music better than anyone, but I would say like this band, like all the musicians are better than I am at my, at my craft.
0: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's saying something. How deep, how, how deep do you go into the Foo Fighters catalog? Like if you were just to make up a number, do you, do you have 25 numbers of theirs? Do you have 50? Do you have, I mean, or do you, and do you span um, all eras?
3: Yeah, we do the, like we span the whole 30 years. They've been a band almost 30 years, but uh, you know, we, we definitely play everyone's favorites. I would say like of a two hour set, a Foo Fighters fan, like if you call yourself a Foo Fighters fan, you're going to know 90% of the songs. you might not know a couple of some B sides that we throw out.
0: Well, if you want to do an all B side show someday, maybe of just somebody's, you know, basement call me, cause I will be there for that <laughs> one. I, I, and I'll just tell you this. It's, it's, I joke, it's a kidding, not kidding kind of thing. Is that I'm a you know I'm a crazy '90s kid, so I love all that stuff, all anything from that era. But the and the Foo Fighters fall into a very interesting category with me. Is there one of my favorite bands whose greatest hits I don't ever need to hear again. And let's not even call them greatest hits; just their most well-known songs. That's an interesting place for me. There's not many bands that fall into that for me. Do, is there anything of theirs that you would rather not, but you know you need to? Like, does that make any sense? What I'm saying.
3: Yeah, like I think we have to play like you know, we got to play Learn to Fly of we course. have to play We Have to Play Big Me. Um and like Big Me is a cute video but the song I don't super love. Um but you know, we play a couple other songs off the um the Raygun album, the first album. Yeah. Um, and then like I mean, like I eventually want to play a couple songs like i don't know like medicine at midnight like sure. i like waiting on, i like waiting on a war i think that song is freaking badass but you there's know, so
0: there's it. so many that the average fan hasn't <laughs> heard and now and you can we could do this with any band that's been around 30 years
3: yeah exactly so we throw in a couple um probably like two or three b-sides but since you know we're a tribute band we need to play the crowd-pleasing songs like Most people are going to know every song we play and like we play them well, you know, I'm not like, I don't, I don't mean to brag too much on this band, but they're so good. And the, the beauty of the band up until now has been kind of a showcase for rotating singers. So every show we've had, we've had like a slew of different singers come up and do one or two songs. Cool. It's been really cool. Um, But our road show. Uh, We showcase Vera Bloom, and she's an alt-rocker here in Nashville. Super good, super talented, and it's kind of a a match made in heaven there. I think like she's, she's going to knock everyone's socks off too. So I'm pumped about this band.
0: Well, this might not be the perfect question for you, but you'll understand it because your, your tentacles of musicianship in Nashville spread out so wide. But, um, a friend of mine here in town with a band planet, um, there's a chance you've, you've run into them at some point over the last 10 years of maybe being down in Chattanooga playing a show or two, whether you have or not, it's not the point. Um, He's been doing this for almost 20 years and the planet band is fine. You know, they're good, but they're not, you know, it's just what it is. And then about five to eight years ago or so, he put together a tool tribute band or cover band. I don't know if the word cover has negative connotation to it. would rather have tribute, whatever, you know, that's up to, depending on who you ask, but he put together this band called 10,000 days, the, uh, a tool, tribute and it has been a monster it has worked for him all (laughs) over the southeast and he still does his band but really where there's cash to be made is that tool tribute and if i talked to him 10 12 years ago he would have laughed in my face if i said one of these days that's what you're going to be doing um time changes uh maybe aspirations egos whatever it might be shifts was that a difficult decision to try to do something like that and put that much work into it to be that tight and that good? Or did it just make sense from the jump?
3: Uh, tank. That's a good question. Cause like, I mean, as a drummer, it's almost as if any band I'm in is a cover band because I'm learning someone else's music that they created for the most part, unless I'm part yeah. of the writing process. So it's, it's less of an impact on my soul. I would think, you know, like okay. some, playing some cover music can be soul crushing, but this is, this just feels different. It's fun. I like playing the songs and I like, I thought there was going to be a need for a Foo Fighters tribute. Cause I didn't think the Foo Fighters would come back as quickly as they did, but, but Dave Grohl is a workaholic. So yeah. I'm not surprised. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't that difficult of a decision. Like ideally I, it would be a great side gig and you know, everyone in the band can make some nice supplemental income, but I don't really want it to be the main thing, but should it turn into that? I mean, I think I'd have to embrace that. You know, it's a, it's a really cool concept and we're, and we're, and we're good. So, and it's fun. And if people want to see it, like uh, I'll keep doing it, you know?
0: (laughs) Well, if people want to see it in Chattanooga, it is July 29th. That is, If you're listening to this, uh, roughly at the time that it's dropped, it's this weekend. If you're listening to a week later, you missed the show. Where the hell were you? Um, (laughs) You had every opportunity. Uh, But um, thank you so much, Angie, for jumping on here. Before we get out of here, I do want to mention that, and and this is as far as I'll go with it, is that I know for a fact at least a small handful upward of a potential half dozen or more of regular listeners to this show are are big dead dead fans and mm-hmm. um maybe while not members of the dead core which at one time was an organized group for that band I'm not sure if they are anymore but could be considered that just your your message to anybody who regularly hears this who knows that I you know I've talked about the band for years everybody who's been in it whether now in the middle and in the beginning have all become lifelong friends of mine uh, your message to, uh, to, to dead, dead fans who, who adored you as part of that band.
3: Well, I, I sure hope that they would come out. Cause I'd love to see them, you know, like I, that band, you know, like it was kind of a sad split, but you know, that band brought a ton of opportunities and it was a lot of fun. You know, we had, uh, we had some great successes, I would say together. And, you know, a lot of that was from the fans. They made some shit happen for us. So I would definitely hope to see them out. Um, you know, like, it, if you were a fan of me drumming for that band, then, you know, we can still be... You can still be a fan now, and we can be friends now. So, like, I I would hope to see everybody there, you know? Because, like, I still follow a bunch of the Dead Core online um, and keep up with what they're doing, too, because it, it was more than just a fandom. It was, like, a friend-family situation, too.
0: Sure, so, it really and it really came together organically and quickly, and it was really fun to watch.
3: Yeah, so I, I mean... My message would be, like, I haven't gone anywhere, and I don't plan to, and I hope you guys show up.
0: <laughs> well, there you go, Angie Lisi, on the way out here. I noticed this um, just in the last couple of days, something I know very little about, but I know plenty of people are into it. Uh, Tamachik Taro, what's going on? You, you, another uh, <laughs> a little uh, offshoot over here, another little thing to do, uh, .com, right?
3: Yeah, dude. Yeah. Um- <laughs> I got into reading tarot over the last like two or three years. And uh, apparently, I'm pretty decent at it. I really enjoy it. It's pretty fun. And so, I've been encouraged to make a business out of it. So, I just started, I just launched that, I guess, unofficially the last week. I'll do a bigger like campaign to announce it here soon. But yeah, tomachicktarot.com is the thing. If you want tarot readings, you know, from me, you can. You can book
0: them online. (laughs) All right. Well, very cool. Angie, thank you so much uh, for joining the show. And I will see you this weekend. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Thanks, Brian. Good to talk to you. At Tama Chick on virtually all social medias. That is T-A-M-A Chick on Twitter, Facebook, all the ones that matter. Hell, probably even threads as well. That's all I got for today. Might look at the 20 under 40. Finally, finally. Coming up uh, next week for a few minutes and whatever happens between now and then. So you guys enjoy your weekend. I got to say I am pretty excited about this ride along with the Chattanooga Police Department this weekend. So very, very busy for me and really got to admit kind of nervous about it as well. But I think it'll be a good experience and I look forward to uh, telling you all about it next week. And whatever happens between now and then, we'll figure it out together on the 1st. Thursday of August. Talk to you guys then. See you later. Bye.